Thank you, Mom. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to be here today, and um, I, um, I have just a couple scriptures that I want to read to you first, but I actually want somebody else to read it. So if somebody would look up Jeremiah 29, 11, <laughs> and the other scripture is Isaiah 58, 12. I like the way this other gentleman in an, another session did that and had people read it. So I like involvement. So, um, I have Jeremiah 29, You have Jeremiah 29, 11. Would you read that to me, please? Or I us? The thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Thank you. Well, that is one of the scriptures that God gave me when I started in prison ministry. And... Um, because what I saw is they need hope and that God's plans are to give them a future and a hope. And so I think that's what um, Hope Works is about. I'm sure all the other ministries that are represented here is to give people hope. And um, the title is The Transitional Housing for the Returning Citizen. And I like that, returning citizen. I'm, I'm going to give Ron credit for that, but then I'm going to be using it and it's going to be mine. <laughs> so I'm giving credit to whom credit is due. Now I'm adopting that for myself. I like that phrase. You know, and um, so the returning citizen is someone that is coming out of incarceration, as you all know. And the key thing, and let me see if I can work this right, is why the need for safe and sober housing. Why do we need it? And so I'm sure you could add to this list. It's not that I know everything about it, but I've been doing it for 15 years. And we go inside the prison and outside of the prison. And the outside is the housing component. And so here are just some things that came to my mind uh, over the years that I've learned. Um, with housing, um, we need, they need stability. You know, sometimes they can't return to where they came from. They need to be able to go to some place that's stable, some place that is conducive to change. You can't change when you're in chaos. You have to have that place of peace, that place where some change can occur. So that's, it provides like a launching pad. You know, we're launched in life from our home, aren't we? Our family. We're launched into this life, and sometimes we've learned some really great skills, and sometimes we've learned some very poor skills. But what I have found in many cases is people coming out of incarceration have not learned the skills to how to be launched into life successfully. So what we're doing is we're relaunching them into this world, but we equip them. And so they need that place. That's why housing is so important. You can't have a job unless you have a point to come out of, a home. And so there's just kind of basic needs. Another reason is that more are being released in, from prison into our communities. So that's definitely right there in need. Hi, Clyde. You're Clyde, aren't you? What is your name? Cedric. 
Cedric, you look just like a guy by the name of Clyde that actually goes to Churches of Christ. And I'm looking at you going, is that him? Your twin brother. <laughs> That's so funny. But I'm looking at you going, I know him. Um, but anyway, what happened is, is that... Um, there are being more and more, and that's what they're wanting to do. They're not trying to keep people inside. They're trying to get them out into the community. So where do they go? Who do they go to? They go back to their families? Well, that might be a good thing, but many, many times it is not a good thing because they're going back into the community where they committed the crimes. So they need a new location. You know, it, it just a new location, a new place to come from. Um, and I'm going to give you some statistics here. I looked these up. You can look them up too. And I, so just bear with me just a minute because I think it proves a point. The first thing is, according to TDOC, and you can go on their website, uh, in custody, the number of people in custody, and I don't know if they're just talking about state, and they probably are, but um, 21,218 felons. That's what's incarcerated in the state of Tennessee. The total releases in Tennessee, according to the U.S. Department of Justice in 2013, which I thought was very interesting. Now, this is not, this, they said in Tennessee, was 16,267. I'm thinking, wow. I mean, that's what they said. So I'm just going by what I was, I was quoted. So there might have been people in there that have been, and they, I think they included the county you know, in jails, things like that. It wasn't just state prisons and federal prisons also. The total n number in Tennessee that are on supervision in 2014, this is probation, parole, and community corrections. Now, wait till you hear this number. 79,299. That's staggering that are on some kind of supervision. And community corrections is actually an alternative sentencing. It's something instead of going into jail or into prison, they go to community corrections, okay? And then they have the total that received parole certificates in 2014, these are brand new people, are 4,968. So with all those numbers, I think it's like a, a beacon we need a place so they can go to it and they can re-enter this society of ours successfully. Okay, parole board also mandates that they go to parole-approved housing. Like they can't, if somebody is mandated in their parole certificate that they have to go to a parole-approved facility, they cannot get out of prison unless they go to a parole-approved facility. We have two homes, they're parole approved. The, the women can parole to our house. Parole approved facility doesn't mean a home that your family's in. That's not a parole approved facility, okay? Homelessness, some people don't have a home to go to. Our first lady, she was, uh, in 2001, she was actually homeless. If she did not, she came from uh, Adult Offender Center at Shelby County Corrections. If she had not come to our home, she would not have, and she was just released. She wasn't on any kind of uh, supervision. But if she didn't come to us, she would have been homeless. So homelessness is a reason. 
alternative sentencing. And we've had several that have come to us instead of going to jail or spent doing their term in jail, were able to come to us instead in lieu of spending time in jail. Okay? Uh, a parole-approved parole housing also helps recidivism. It's a place where they can learn life skills. You know, we can teach a class in life skills, and that's all really good. But how do we learn life skills? By living with other people, <laughs> don't we? I mean, learn how to get along, how to work out difficulties and problems. That's the best. It's called like on-the-job training, right? And, of course, housing also, in the way we have it set up, it provides accountability. You have, you have boundaries. We all can set boundaries. People that have been incarcerated have had trouble setting boundaries. So when they come to something that is structured, they need that structure because they've been told what time to get up in the morning, what time to go to bed at night, what time to do this, what time to do that. And then they get out and they, they go to from, no, from structure to no structure. They might want, think they want that, but everybody needs structure. We all need the boundaries. An environment suitable for change. It does provide that soil from which they can grow. And also the restoration process because there is a restorative um, point in somebody coming out of prison. They need to be restored emotionally, physically, mentally. There's so many things that they need. And the need is great. One of the things I liked in the session I was in before uh, I think the first one I went to was about, um, oh no, it was the last one, volunteering. He said that we need to know what we're supposed to do so you don't get burnout. And when I started in this, one of the hardest things, everybody was telling me what, what you need, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And I'm going, oh my gosh, I didn't understand that I was just wanting to provide a home. But I didn't realize what all was involved in it. But then I had to focus on what I was called to do, and I was called to housing. So whatever you need to do, you need to know that is your main thing, focus. Because you can get off into running after the money. Oh, you can get a grant. You can go get a grant. Mm -mm. Yeah, you can get a grant if you're going to change your program to fit the grant. But what did God tell you to do? You can't be changing your vision for the money because then you're in out in territory you don't want to be out in, okay? And um, so after prison, what happens? Oops, went backwards. Sorry about that. Okay, so after prison, what's next? Okay, these are just some of the things, and again, you could add to this list. And if you see one I haven't added up here, tell me afterwards, I'll add it. <laughs> because there are things that when they, somebody gets out of prison, they, they have a stable place to live, the housing. Now, what's the next thing they need? Well, it says it, ID restoration, parole requirements. Can you imagine coming out of prison, no money, and this is, this is the things that they may encounter. That's a load. Yes, ma'am. Before you pass housing. Yes, ma'am. You mentioned parole approved. Yes, ma'am. Uh, if there is a difference between getting out and just having a place to stay and parole approved, what's the difference? Okay, parole approved means the board, Tennessee Department of Correction, parole board, yes. approves your house and that the 
people can come right from prison straight to the home, to the, the home. But is there a difference in how they approve? Yes, ma'am, you have to go through a qualification process. Right. You have to fill an application. They come out, they check you out, see if you meet their requirements. You fill out an application for it, and then um, they'll come out and let you know whether you're approved or not. And then they put you on a list. Okay. So you think that's better than, how do I want to say this? Do you think that would be better to have a paroled approved place than just regular housing? Or does it it's a great, great question. That's a really good question and I'll tell you why. Because parole approved just means somebody can parole to you. But that doesn't limit you to just take parolees. So I think it's another thing that you can put on your checklist. Because when I started out I wasn't a parole approved. And for years I wasn't. <laughs> but it's been a heart cry to, to God, God, we need parole. Because some people couldn't even get out of prison because they were mandated by the parole board to go to parole-approved housing, and they, they can't get out because they don't have any place to go. So you would be helping them out. Yes, ma'am. Yes. That's great. So if they have this incentive, if you don't do what you say you're going to do, once we release you, then you'll be going back. Those who walk in usually take somebody back out with them. And we have found that. So you're exactly you know, right. Mm -hmm. One of the things, it's, it's accountability. Mm -hmm. we, were, we do extensive interviewing on the inside. Mm -hmm. I go to the counselors. I just don't, I, Mr. Okonafu's here. He's one of my contacts at Shelby County Corrections. I say, Mr. Confu, I have a couple beds open. Do you know of anybody that you'll, he, he knows me. He knows our facility. Mm -hmm. He knows what we're like. So he'll say, I, I depend on him to, to pick some ladies for me to interview. Because see, first of all, it's like she said about change. I can't change anybody. They have to want to change. And so if they want to change, then I have the program in which they can accomplish that. And, and I also look at what they've been involved in when they were incarcerated. What kind of programs were they in? What were they involved in? I can talk to counselors and get recommendations. Because, and, and you know, there's no foolproof thing because you can go through all of that and still have difficulties. Because when you're dealing with a population that has had so much dysfunction and trauma and all of that in their life I mean there's there's mental health issues and we're gonna we'll hit that that's down the line there mental health you know we need to connect them with the right services within the community so with Ron Wade I've done a lot of partnering with him because some of my ladies are ready to go into the workforce and so they go through his program in order to get ready to go get a job but then I have some other women that maybe they're not really ready for that yet, and they need to go through some kind of uh, uh, intensive outpatient treatment or cognitive therapy where we learn how to change our thinking. I do a lot of that at the house. So um, there's just so many 
you know, so many things that they need. But I know what I'm supposed to do, and then there's other organizations within the community that can fulfill the other things. I don't have to do it all. I'm not called to do it all. Yes? Great. That's firsthand. Firsthand. So from that perspective, that's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. So um, any other questions or comments? Thank you. That's excellent. So uh, they have IDs. They have parole requirements. So again, that's the long, you know, we provide them trips to the parole office, you know, requirements, you know, there are certain requirements that they have to accomplish. Yes, sir? At some point, I would be interested to hear how you got into your housing. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I didn't have that in here, but I'll be happy to share that. Because I'm sure you're all familiar with all these things. But, um, but after this is the things that they face. Okay. Legal issues, financial obligations, employment, transportation, Substance abuse prevention, counseling, mentoring. You know, we involve them in mentoring if we can find a mentor for them. Okay? That's really important too. And that's where the volunteers can come into play. We run largely on volunteers. We don't have any, the only, we don't have paid staff. Okay? We run on a very minimum budget. It is amazing. But there are agencies, if you're in the state of Tennessee, you can partner with the Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse, and they have a pr uh, program called Addictions Recovery Program, ARP. We fortunately got onto that in 2008, and it's a, um, and it's a, sor a source of income, okay? We don't ask the women for any money until they start working because you can't get blood from a turnip. And um, so, you know, I've had people come to me and say, well, um, you know, well, how much money, can, how do you get the money? I said, well, <laughs> you know, um, unless you have a great benefactor, you just do it one step at a time, okay? And I know that things, oh, okay, well, really, that's how I did it. I got a, the main thing was to find a place, and then I needed to share the vision, and then people came on board that saw the vision, and then they gave into the vision, and then we had enough money to buy the first house, and we weren't even organized at first. Uh, we had just became a nonprofit, so we didn't even have any credit, so we couldn't even buy the house. So we had a, a couple that saw the vision. They were willing to put it in their name. When they put it in their name, we paid the bill now. Right. Women of Blaze paid the bill, but it was in their name, and after two years, we did a financial packet and went to a bank, and they said they, we refinanced it in Women of Blaze Ministries. 
And that's how we got started. I was a single parent with three children. I didn't have any money. But it was God's vision, and I, I heard that in this morning. It has to be his vision for you. I had another couple come to me once and say, okay, well, we want, we're going to retire, and we want something to retire on. So we want to do transitional housing. And I said, I, I told him right off the bat, I said, well, this is not a money-making project. I mean, yes, you have to have money to run it, but you're not going to make money on this. That's why it's called non-profit. It's a ministry. Now, God doesn't muzzle the ox while he treads out the grain. Right? He will provide for you if this is what he's called you to do. But for the first six to, I don't know, six to eight years, I, I had to work other jobs to pay for my bills. And still even after that. So, it, you know, but the, the beautiful part is if it's him, he's going to provide. He is a provider for his purpose. And if it's your, his, your purpose to do this, it's going to happen for you. And we need better, more approved housing. Good housing. Don't put anybody in a house you wouldn't willingly live in yourself. I am so... I've been into some places where I'm thinking, I can't believe that they would do this to somebody. If I can't live in it, why would I expect anybody else to live in it? I mean, I'm just being real upfront with y'all. <laughs> That's all I know how to do. So, you know, it has to be decent, you know. And, you know, you have your own home. You know, you can, I lived in a half a trailer when I went through graduate school years ago. And on the outside, it was... It was a half a trailer now, I'm telling you. <laughs> Not a whole trailer, a half a one. And it, but when people walked in, they went, oh, that's right. Wherever you live, you make it the prettiest, you know how to live it. Because I heard a man that spoke at Hope Works a couple years ago at their breakfast. And he was from, I can't remember his name or anything, but one of the things that stuck with me, he says, beautiful environment creates beautiful people. Isn't that beautiful? And it's true. It, can, it gives, it's that foundation, it's that environment, it's that soil where change can take place. So that's what's really important. It needs to be a good place. Yes, Matt? Mm-hmm. Not only the jokes of being homeless, now they own their own homes like Hannah and everybody else because of God. So we're grateful to you. But for those of you who are thinking about having a transitional housing, whether for male or female, 
Here, thanks, we may like to think, consider your niche in the market. We are so behind in Shelby County with resources, transition and housing from all categories of people. We have individuals who are mentally challenged. They can't take their medication. They are psychotropic medication. Where do they go? We have individuals that are HIV positive. Where do they go? They need help. Yes. But with this avenue, we cannot in any way ever compare ourselves to match your likeness or know it or our pleasure. We just have so much to do. Yeah. For us thinking about it, well, you know that maybe you don't want to go solo. Maybe two or three of you might get together and say, well, we can do this. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it's so true. I like the, the collaboration, you know, because that's how you get things done. It took years to, I mean, we have, it took a, um, a uh, our, I'm just going to give you the total number of hours that I estimated that our volunteer transportation man gives a year. This is just, this is on the low end. It's 1,200 hours. Just driving them to work, to doctor's appointments, parole, classes. And we do a schedule every week. And he's in his 70s. That's huge. That is huge. So that's something, that is to be a part of something like that. You know, because, you know, you always, you know that you got to sew into something that you want to do in order for you to do what you want to do, Right. So there are opportunities out there, and I think it's a great idea if you come together. The, the burden isn't as heavy. Okay. Um, who did anybody look up Isaiah fifty-eight twelve? You have it. Go ahead. That was one of the scriptures that God gave me too because we are, how do you restore a street to dwell in? You live there. You make your home the nicest home you can. And guess what happens to the neighborhood? It starts influencing the neighborhood. And that's, we're in a neighborhood. If you drove by our homes, you would know that that's what we were. We're in a neighborhood. We're, now, I'm not saying this is the only way to do it. I'm just saying this is the way we do it. And I can talk further detail about that um, if you want to talk to me about it. But um, so we're going we're gonna to change. And we're raising up the foundations of many generations, things that have been broken, lost. 
are now being restored. And we were talking at lunch to somebody and we were saying the buck stops here. Where's it going to stop? Stops with me. Because I'm not going to pass it down to the next generation. And by that, doing that, you are restoring what has been lost in your family. Okay, um, the next one is, these are just kind of bullets. Faith-based housing and successful reentry. Why? Christ is the foundation for life. We all know that, right? Okay, renewal of the mind. You know, Romans 12, 2. Can somebody look that up for us? And I'm going to tell you, that was a, a revelation to me because it was for a number, the first few years, I didn't understand why I didn't see change in the ladies. I knew Jesus was enough. And that's what I said to the Lord. I know you're enough, God, but what's going on here? I, would, <laughs> I mean, I really didn't know. I knew they accepted Christ. I knew in my heart. But then they went back out using the drugs and doing what they were doing. I just didn't understand it. And one day, it came to me. And I know it was God. It's their thinking, Linda. Their mind. Who has 12, Romans 12, 2? Yes, sir. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen. And so what I realized is that, you know, we're, um, you know, we're a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. And our soul man is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our spirit man is perfect. Because we accepted Christ, but our mind has to be changed according to the Word of God. Yes? We have a saying at um, Major Community Church of Christ in our eviction meeting. Uh huh. We say that when your mind is right, your world is right. Good. I like that. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> when your mind is right, your world, your world is right. Your world is right. I love these kind of things. <laughs> You know, when I first got saved, I had to post notes all over the place because I was going for a very turmoil, much turmoil and traumatic time in my life. And I couldn't stay focused. So I had on my desk, I had these notes with sayings like this and scripture. Not a lot of scripture at the time because I was new and I didn't really know the word. But I heard things like this, which is based on truth. And so I would read those things. When my mind started to drift, I would go to that and go, Okay, and I'd say it over and over and over again. I mean, I did. That's the only way I knew to deal with it. And, you know, that's really practical application. So the renewal of the mind is huge. They've got to learn how to change their mind. And there is training that you can get to help. And it's very, very simple, really. And I kind of, I did fall, in, fall into it. I was trained by the Tennessee Department of Correction on their bill. And it was one, I mean, it just happened. Because when you're, God is in it, he is going to put you and give you the education that you need. I've worked as a volunteer chaplain. I've worked as um, a Bible study leader, volunteer chaplain. I was hired by the Tennessee Department of Correction to do a program called, it was for women, uh, Change is Possible. That's where I got some training. Then I was hired again by the de Department of Correction to, do, to head up a mentoring program, which we have at Shelby County Correction. Then um, 
uh, God just put me in these places. And I thought at one time I was moving to Phoenix. You know, I mean, we have our ideas of what we're going to do and then God changes our direction. But he will put, if God is in it, he will put you where you need to be to get what you need to do this. You know, there's a, a, and I probably heard this somewhere, but it came to me the other day, a couple weeks ago, I mean, and it said, um, God doesn't, God doesn't call the qualified. He, he, he qualifies the called. <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. Help me remember it as I <laughs> That was inspiration right there. God I have to write. I can't print. Doesn't call the qualified. I hope you can read that. Qualified. <laughs> he qualifies the call. It's just like when I learned, I was in sales for many years, and um, I thought... Um, you know, I learned a lot of stuff, and I've used that now, too. But um, one of the things I realized is I had built this business when I was lost. Then I got saved, and my business fell apart. And I didn't understand. What's going on? I got Jesus now. It's supposed to be working. Well, what God was doing is, he, uh, what I realized is, is, yeah, but what you built was built on you. Now what you're going to build is going to be built on me. And so when you build something like this, that's why it needs to be faith-based, I believe, with all of my heart, because that's what's going to make the difference. And I'm not saying there isn't other good ones out there, but God's got to be in it somewhere. He really, truly does. Of course, faith-based housing, you get the God's promises for hope. We all need hope. Strength, you know, with the teachings and the scripture, strength for daily living, freedom with boundaries. You know, without the vision, the people perish or cast off restraints. Why? Because they have no boundaries. Restraint, you have to have boundaries in order to go forward. Or you're going every which way. So you've got to have boundaries to keep you focused and keep you going in the right direction. Uh, direction for the future, of course. And support from the family of believers. When I connect the women with people in the community, I am helping them develop their support system. Every person they come in contact with becomes part, they have to have it. And I, I think it takes a minimum of five other people to help one person coming out of prison. Now, I think that's, you know, the five is the number of grace. And I feel, and I've seen this. And so that support system, housing being a key ingredient and housing that doesn't require something from them at first. Now, when they start ha having an income, yes. And, you know, they have to pay our transportation guys some money because now they're making money. And that's only fair. I mean, they're paying their way. That's teaching responsibility. And we want them to leave. We do not want them to stay with us. <laughs> we have a girl right now that's transitioning. She's looking at apartments. She's been with us a year. 
And um, she says, you know, I told my mom maybe I should just stay here. And his, her mom says, no, you're ready to go. She says, because it's scary. I said, yeah, but you're going to do okay. You're going to be fine. So you've got to go forward. You can't become comfortable. Okay, so summing it up. Um, Three-pronged approach, I think you can put it in three things. And underneath those bullet points, you could put a whole lot of stuff, and I think I've covered it. The first one is meet immediate physical needs. What does James say in the book of James? He says, they say, be well and go on your way. Right, exactly. Facebook works is that dead, but it, I can't remember it exactly. But it talks about how people say, you know, I have a need. What is it? Be warm and be filled. Oh, be warm and be filled, but they don't do anything to give them. You got to meet. Sometimes you have to meet the physical needs, the housing, and I'm thinking housing and the toiletries and the and the clothing and things like that at first, and then they're going to be open. It's just like writing a check. You cannot write a check and, and withdraw something from somebody until you make some deposits, right? So your bank account has to have some money in it before you can start helping them and maybe pointing some few corrections that need to, or course directions that need to happen. They have to know that you care. Yes, ma'am. Exactly. You have to meet their needs. And so housing for somebody returning to the, the returning citizen has to have their immediate needs met. Okay. Not, a, not a handout, but, but you're helping them. A hand up. And then, of course, their spiritual well-being. That would be when you can start talking them to about Christ. Now, most of the women that have come to our home have either accepted Christ or, and that's not a qualification. I don't, but... I tell them on the front end when I'm interviewing, we're about Jesus, and we're going to be talking about Jesus. So is that okay with you? Because if it isn't, they won't be happy with us. Exactly. And there's other, other options for them. But I tell them that on the front end. Yes, that's okay. I said, okay, well, then we'll get along because that's what you're going to hear because he is the answer. Okay? And then life skills training and workforce development. You know, life skills training, there's a lot of things. It's the thinking. It's how to take care of a house. How can you expect God to give you anything more if you're not going to take care of what you have or what, where you are? You have to learn because he's not going to give you more unless you learn how to take care of what you have. In your life skills training, do you provide financial literacy training? Well, through other programs. Now, I do the budgeting with mm -hmm. them, just one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. Once they start working and have an income, then we sit down and we do a budget. Okay. Now, I'm not a police person. So, you know, I don't police that part. I, I show them. They better have their fees. Mm -hmm. That's before a cell phone gets paid, anything else. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have a place to live, what good is a cell phone? Right. It's, you know, <laughs> what'd you say? The next place, yeah, well, that's true. But they're going to run into the same problem in the next place, too. Yes, sir? Um, what's some of the hurdles that one would run into if they're interested in starting a, a, home, a homeless shelter or a shelter? Uh, for the zoning is concerned, what, what's some of the 
Well, that's a good that's a good question too. Okay, well, first of all, let me qualify what a shelter is. A shelter is temporary, short term. It's not what we're doing here. This is long term. It's not a shelter. It's a transitional home, and that's terminology. So I'm just kind of giving you a lesson in terminology there. Okay, so if you're going to do a shelter, that's great. But that's a short term, and it's a whole nother ball game. And yes, that would require probably commercial zoning. Okay, we're residential, but see, we have to stay. We have to stay within a minimum of five, four or five people in a house. You can have four or five people in a home that are not related, and it have not, you don't have to have a special use permit, nor do you have to have a occupancy certificate. What about? Now, I couldn't tell you that. I think, well, no, I could tell you that because a friend of mine, he has one, and he does take sex offenders, and his is commercially zoned. It couldn't be in a residence, and it can't be close to schools or anything like that. Right. What kind of backlash you get from the neighbors about housing ex offenders? Well, I've been there for 15 years. We've been there for 15 years, and we haven't had any problems. All I can say is we're we're a home that's what we are that's our vision yeah I need to stop yes ma'am going back to the question you he was asking when we had the Hope House in Kansas City Kansas and this all depends I suppose upon the state that you're in we had to send out something to the neighborhood to see if they approved of that particular housing coming into their neighborhood before we could even get started yeah, I heard yeah. Well, we didn't have to do that, so it might be different. You have to check your zones and your code enforcement in your state. Well, I thank you all very much. I hope you got something out of this. Thank you for your input, and um, thank you. Uh, see the young lady in the back with her hand held high? She has just, this is a way you can maybe help somebody find housing, and it's from Prison Fellowship. It's not something I wrote. There's a lot on the Internet you can get, too, but that that's something, a handout you could look at might help you at least if you want to help somebody find housing okay thank you